So how are we today? Good? Well, it's lovely to be here and to uh, share God's Word with you. Nice, James, for you to be here in your comfy chair. Um, you know, please don't go to sleep though, will you? Because, you know, it'll just put me off if you start snoring. You know, there's a reason why in church we have pews. And the reason is that they're hard and you can't go to sleep. So, hopefully none of you will go to sleep. So let's just pray as we come to God's Word. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your Word. I thank you, Father, for what you put on my heart today to share with uh, these people. And I pray, Father, that what I have to share is, is your heart, what you want me to share. So, Father, I pray that you just uh, be with me, you guide me, and that, Father, I'd be guided by your Holy Spirit today. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, what we're doing today is we're looking at a passage which is about enjoying God's love. And so I'm going to read from John 15, 9 to 17. I don't know if it's going to go on the screen. Yes, it is. There we go. So this is the reading. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abiding his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do whatever I command you, no longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me. But I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. So this morning, as I said, I'm talking about love. Now, I just feel that if I'm talking about love, I should be talking in a kind of different voice. A voice like Barry White. Now, does anybody remember Barry White? He was famous in the 1970s, and he had a deep, deep voice. And it was silky and sort of sexy. But that's not me, I'm afraid. So you're going to have to put up with the voice that I've been given. So, do you ever stop and think what this world would be like if we love one another as God has called us to love? If I was to describe myself, I would describe myself as a thinker and dreamer, not necessarily a doer, as my wife will attest to. And I often think, particularly when I hear news of wars, an inevitable loss of life. Brutal murders, famine, rape, people in slavery, people displaced from their homes, and people committing suicide because they have lost all hope. 
None of these things would happen if hatred, bitterness, anger, jealousy, and self-interest was replaced with love. As you are aware, our sermon series is based on our mission statement, and today we're looking at enjoying God's love. Out of all our mission statement, this is the most important part. When we love unconditionally, all other things fall into place. Now, there's that wonderful passage that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, which sums up the importance of love. And I want to remind you of what it says today. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but not have love, I have nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I taught like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. An amazing, amazing passage. Loving God, loving ourselves, loving others is the most important thing we are called to do. Now just for a moment... I want to take you back to the beginning of creation. And God said this on the sixth day, let us make man in our own image. In other words, God was saying, let's replicate ourselves in man. Let us carve, shape him, form him in our own likeness. Now, why did he do this? He could have made us in any image he chose, but he made us to be like him because we were created to have a personal relationship with him. Again, being a dreamer, I often think what it was like when Adam and Eve were created and they walked and talked in the Garden of Eden with God. What did they talk about? They couldn't talk incessantly about the weather like us Brits, could they? Because the weather would have been perfect. Could you imagine it? And walking uh, and Adam saying to God, Nice day, God. Yeah, sun shining. Yeah, lovely. Great. But I'm afraid I heard the weather forecast this morning, and it's not good for tomorrow. It's going to rain. And you know what, God? All I've got is this fig leaf. Do you think you can give me something else, a coat or something? No, he didn't say that, because each day was perfect. They couldn't talk about their problems either, could they? Because they wouldn't have had anything to complain about. 
Well, I don't know about that. You know, Adam and Eve, Eve, uh, God made Eve, and Adam walking with God, God might have said to Adam, what do you think about this Eve then? Are you happy with her? Well, you know, God, I do like her, but, you know, she never stops talking. From morning to night, she talks all the time. And God says, well, that's what I've made woman to be like, I'm afraid. <laughs> and, and, then, and then God, and then Adam would say to God, well, could you do something about it? Well, I can make you so that you hear them, but you don't listen to them. <laughs> and that's what's happened, isn't it? Sorry, ladies. And they also couldn't complain about their lack of food or their habitat because God had made everything perfect. You know, thinking about it, I think they probably talked about the garden and the beauty that surrounded them. They saw all these different animals. They saw creation. They saw flowers that they'd never seen before. And I'm sure Adam would have been overjoyed and he he would just be full of joy in what he saw. So what is very clear is that God wanted a relationship with man. Because he came down and he talked with them every single day. But unfortunately, we know that we don't know how many days, months or Time it took before they succumbed to temptation and fell into sin because it's not revealed. But when they did, that relationship was broken. And God would never again walk and talk in the garden with Adam and Eve. Since that time, man's relationship with God has been difficult. Throughout history, there's been times when people have turned to God. Then they've turned away from him and they've turned back and it goes backwards and forwards and so on. And you know, it's not what God had wanted because he had done everything in his power to have and keep that relationship with mankind. But when we were created, we were given a free will. And unfortunately, most people have used that free will to turn their backs on God and have gone in a totally different direction to his perfect plan for us. That is why we are living in such a broken world today where people have come to believe doing it my way is the best way. You know, just like Nicodemus, before I gave my life to Jesus, I wondered what being born again meant. I now know. The veil was lifted from my eyes. And for the first time, I knew what life was meant to be all about. It isn't about making it in the world at the expense of others. It's not about striving for material things. It isn't about self-centered, about being self-centered. It isn't about doing it my way. No, in fact, it's exactly the opposite of this. We were created to love God foremost. And through that love of God, we are to love others. Now, the human view is that God is not a God of love. 
Because we hear this argument many times, don't we? Well, if God is really a God of love, why does he allow so much suffering in the world? Unfortunately, these people who say these things don't understand. God defines what love is. He's not subject to human definition. God is love. If he wasn't a God of love, why would he have created a world that has brought him so much pain and trouble? He did it because he wanted relationships. He could have made us robots that made us love him. But what's the point of that? Love is a two-way thing, as we know from our own experience. If it's just one-sided, it doesn't work. And therefore, he gave us a free will so that those of us who love God, love him with all our hearts, and through his love for us, we can reciprocate that love to others. It is a fact that every person that has ever lived and lives today longs to love and be loved. That is the greatest emotion in every heart. There are more songs, books, plays, and films written about love than any other subject. But so many people have failed to discover the source of true love, perfect love. That perfect love, as we know, is found in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that only those who believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. True love is about sacrifice. This love is what saves and restores our broken relationship with God. God is the one who initiates a restoration. God gives himself for the world in sacrificial love and welcomes the worst of sinners. As Jesus laid down his life for each of us, he took upon the sins himself, nailing it to the cross. On that cross, we are to look to him who loved us so lavishly and we are to love others with this love that we have seen and experienced from him. What does sacrificial love look like? It involves putting someone's interest ahead of ourselves. It's giving up money that we've earned so that someone we will never meet on the other side of the world gets to eat. It's taking the time to reach out to a friend or family member going through a tough time to let them know we care. It's sacrificing some of our time to take care of an elderly parent or relative. It's reaching out to the lost and the unlovable with words of comfort and hope. You know, it is so easy for all of us to be caught up in worldly thinking where it's all about me, me, me. Make me happy, make me satisfied, etc., etc. But Jesus shows us a better way. Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, than today to lay down one's life for his friends. Now there's a saying, isn't there, that it's better to give than to receive. As we draw closer to God and spend time with him, we will find those hard edges in our lives being smoothed out. We will find that giving is far more rewarding than receiving. 
and we will become imitators of God. We can't make the same sacrifice that God's made for us. We're not called to save people. Jesus has already done that. But we are called to show love in our lives. We're called to love our neighbors, to help our brothers and sisters in need. We're called to love like Jesus, and that involves some sacrifice. The kind of love God commands for us is not always easy. Loving in truth and action rather than just in word and speech costs us something. It might be time, money, energy, or vulnerability. Sometimes it will be uncomfortable. Showing extravagant, non-judgmental, unconditional love is not understood by everyone. To some, it is foolishness. To love the unlovable, those who no one else wants to embrace, puts you at odds with the values of this world. As we grow in love for God and for others, we will find that he is always looking for faithful men and women that he can support and empower to accomplish his will and purposes on this earth. He has given us a commission to be active in making disciples and to teach them all that he has commanded. He wants workers and he asks that we pray for more workers to go into the harvest. God's method in building his kingdom is by using willing and obedient servants. People who avail themselves to God's calling upon their lives. For some, the call may be to foreign missions or to the ministry. But for most of us, we will be called to be ministers of the gospel in our own towns, cities and neighborhoods. Even though our career paths might be a lot different. Wherever we are and in whatever we do, God is looking for people whom he can support to build his kingdom. He has missions for us and his desire is that we would accept the call. Too often we wait for someone else to share the gospel with others or our loved ones because we feel inadequate. Sometimes we expect others to do all the work while we stand back not getting involved. That is not the way God wants us to be. He wants us to say that we are available and willing to go and do whatever we are asked. He wants us to have a willing heart and not pass off our responsibility to someone else. God has created good works for us to do, and it is our responsibility to do them. We will not be judged one day by what other people do. But what we do, we will have to give an account of ourselves. God is the source of all life. He gives and takes away. He is the source of our joy and strength. He tells us in his word, when we seek him with all our hearts, we will find him. When we wake up each day, but we wake up each day to a self-centered world, and the world tells us to make ourselves first priority. God begs us to see the world in a different way, and to honor him with our lives. We are called to bring glory to him. Daily submitting to his will over our selfish desires requires us to seek him diligently by the discipline of daily time in prayer and reading the Bible. This is how we know him and seek him with all our hearts. 
by laying down our lives, goals, and selfish desires for what his plans and purposes are for each one of us. Also in our daily lives, we must create a habit of thankfulness. When we find ourselves in a season of abundance, blessing, and prosperity, we must be careful to align our circumstances with gratitude to God. He is the source of all blessing. Even in seasons of sadness, sickness, and extreme hard battles, we can obediently create and foster the discipline of thankfulness and gratitude. It is a healing oil to our souls, regardless of our circumstances, to know undoubtedly God is working all things for good, despite how we feel or what our current status or situation is. God is alive and active in his word and in our daily lives. He seeks relational connection with us and we should respond, here I am, when we make time to put him first. When we do, he promises his plans for us are good, more than we could ever imagine. Not a promise for material prosperity, but of eternal hope and peace in heaven with him through Jesus. We should be like the prophet Isaiah, an ordinary man like you and I, who was willing to obey God and step out in faith to let God do extraordinary things through him. Let us resolve and pray that we will come to see and value God as Isaiah did, such that we would say with Isaiah, here I am, Lord, send me. I can ask you to stand. Yeah, Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your love. I just thank you, Father, that you love us so much. You care for each one of us so much. And Father, you want that relationship with us. And Father, you want us to reciprocate that love that you have for us with with you and with those that we meet and those that we meet in our world. Father, I just pray that you would give us a heart to to go out into our world with a heart of compassion, a heart of love, to touch those people who really need to know you. Father, we live in a broken world. We live in a world where things are not how you meant them to be. And Father... We want to be a light for you in this world of ours. We want to shine for you. So I pray, Father, as that we would just draw closer to you each and every day. I pray, Father, that we would learn to love each and every person no matter their background, no matter what they do, whether it's a beggar or a rich man, we are willing to go out. And I pray, Father, that would be our prayer 
when you ask us to do something, we would say, send me, Lord, send me. I am willing. I am willing to go. So, Father, I just thank you. I thank you, Father, that you are the God of love. That is what you are. And Father, we worship you. We praise you. We give you all the honor that's due your name. And Father, I pray now as we go from here, each and every person, that Father, that you would bless us, that you keep us safe. Those who have got car journeys, they would have a, a safe arrival of wherever they're going. And I pray, Father, that this message, Father, this morning about your love, that we would keep it on our hearts and this coming week we would want to draw closer to you each and every day and we would want to know you more. So Father, I pray your blessing on us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Praise you.